Hello you guys, once again welcome to another episode of The Ambience, I am your host Jay and here we are going to kick off the second season, this is the first episode of season number two, what are we going to talk about? Stay tuned. Hello you guys once again, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of the second season of The Ambience here, I am your host Jay and right now I am actually podcasting from inside my car and I will get to that here shortly. And what I want to talk about is, well, I mean, the things that I plan on doing for this season of the podcast. And I know that the first season, there wasn't really any kind of plan. There wasn't any real written setup or anything. I was just kind of just giving a little bit of uh, the experiences that I've had in my life. And I get a lot of laughs out of it. And so I was thinking that you could get a lot of laughs out of them, too. I know that I had some guest appearances on my first season from a friend of mine named Brando, but I don't know if he's going to be coming in this season or not. So, let's go ahead and get right to it. What are we going to talk about? Well, there's many different things that inspire me, and there's many different things that I can draw lessons from. I was watching Joe Rogan's podcast. I watch it as much as I listen to it on YouTube. And I was looking at what he says, and he was, it was one of the more motivational podcasts that he had, and he was talking about failure and how you cannot have success without failure because failure is a way for you to look at what you're doing wrong and work on it and just get better and better and better. Failure can only help you. And I completely agree with that. I mean, I've certainly had a lot of failures in my life. I'm sure a lot of people just like myself, you and me, we've had a lot of failures in our lifetimes. But anyway, that's just a kind of precursor or an idea about what I want to do with this series, or this season rather, of the podcast. Is just, I know that I throw in some comedy, I know that I talk about some stuff, and I know that I get some laughs, but I also just want to, you know, just be myself. I mean, like I said, in the first season, I was quick to tell you guys that this is a therapeutic thing for me, and so I do it because it helps my mental health, it helps my creativity, and also... I do it because it's entertaining. It's entertaining for me to do it. I don't know if it's entertaining for you to listen, but I'm just as happy whether I have no listeners or 50 listeners or 500 listeners. It doesn't matter. Anyway, like I said, this channel is going to cover a variety of topics. I keep saying channel. I don't know why. I meant to say podcast. This podcast is going to cover a multitude of topics that I've gone through in my life. And just anything that I may or may not have thoughts on. Just things that I may or may not have considered. But nonetheless, I'm podcasting from my car. And I've actually thought about changing the name of the podcast to uh, to something like Thoughts in a Car. I don't know. I, I really don't know. But, um... Maybe Mazda thoughts. Maybe that would work. But that just remains to be seen. So anyway, in the spirit of, you know, just being entertaining, but also being serious, I am going to, today, I'm actually going to talk about my journey with my battle of anorexia. Now, anorexia, it's kind of, uh, it's a well-known eating disorder. A lot of people have it. A lot of people have survived it. But there are people that have not survived it. Obviously, I'm one of the few that did. And I'm just going to talk about what happened to me, what kicked it off. What Because originally, it wasn't even anorexia. It was just a desire to lose weight. 
And I did lose weight. But the thing is, it was a gradual descent into the eating disorder. And I would like to go ahead and just talk about that and shed some light on it in my life. So let's go ahead and just let's get it out there. Okay, so as I said, I'm going to go ahead and just jump right into it, what I was talking about in the intro there, or the second part of the intro, I guess I'll add, and I want to go ahead and just get right into the issue of anorexia and just, well, more specifically, my issue with anorexia, because I've dealt with it, as have many others, and I just want to go ahead and just say that if you are struggling with an eating disorder, don't hesitate to seek help, don't hesitate to seek out, speak up. Because there are people that are going to listen. Granted, there are going to be some people that are going to try to shame you and say, you know what, you should eat more. You look like skin and bones. Well, thanks. If I didn't think that I was overweight and just morbidly obese, I wouldn't be in this predicament. So please don't try to shame me. You know, you know that sort of thing. People are going to shame you, but at the same time, there are just as many people, if not more, in this day and age. They're willing to actually talk to you. They're willing to help you. I have, I've spoken to many people about it. I've spoken to uh, my aunt, who pretty much is like a fitness guru. And I've spoken to my wife, who's helped me along this journey. And I've even spoken to a few friends who are actually really concerned about my well-being mentally, not just physically. So anyway, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to shed some light on here. So this all began when I was going through a rough patch emotionally at my last job. Now, I'll just, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. You're going to hear this from me quite a bit. A lot of my stories, they involve, well, you know, at McDonald's, I used to... Yeah, that's pretty much, that's pretty much what I'm going to use. Because this took place at McDonald's. And at the time, I was maybe 315 pounds. This was over the course of maybe two, maybe three years ago. And I was just going through a bad place emotionally. I was. There were some personal issues that I was dealing with, and it even caused a crisis with me. It really did. It, uh, it drove a rift, actually, between my wife and I. And maybe that's a story that I will save for another time. But also, I'm saying that to say this. My problems were purely psychological in terms of why I got into this eating disorder, even though it didn't even start out that way. So, I'm going to go ahead and just continue. So, as I said, years ago, I was at McDonald's, and I was just going through uh, an emotionally rough period, and I was losing friends, I was, I was currently, I was in conflict at the time with my wife, and just some issues that we were going through, and at the time, my wife and I were trying to conceive, and we were trying to have a baby, and just raise a family. There was a, there was, there was, there was a lot of stress going on, and I would turn to food. You know, I mean, it sounds cliche with, with, uh, when you talk about somebody that has anorexia, but I mean, it's true. A lot of people that are obese, they turn to food for, you know, just comfort. You know, it tastes good. It makes you feel good. But the thing is, it's a vicious cycle. You eat it and you feel good momentarily, but then you want to eat more. It's kind of like eating at McDonald's, you know, it's really good food. But you'll eat it, and like Morgan Spurlock said in Supersize Me, what you'll notice is shortly thereafter, maybe two or three hours, you're going to want to eat another whole full meal. And so I pretty much did that once I got out of high school. You know, I didn't give a crap about what my body looked like. I didn't, I just, I didn't care. I didn't care that I wasn't physically fit because I got so tired of just being in gym and just, you know, just working out and just going hard. 
I, I just, I got tired of it. I was like, okay, I'm finally out. I don't ever have to work out again. Boy, was I wrong. Anyway, so a couple years back when I was still in McDonald's, I was going through some emotional patches and I would turn to food. All right, well, one day, I didn't look in the mirror and say, you know what, something's got to change. I didn't do that. At the time, a couple of weeks ago, there was a tree that had actually gotten knocked down thanks to a storm, and it was actually knocked down in our yard. And we would think that the city would come and help, you know, just take it out. Well, nobody ever came. So, what happened was, I went to my mother-in-law's house, and she, uh, she handed me some tools to use. It was a dull machete, and it was a wooden bow saw. Bow saw typically, I mean, you can use it by yourself, but like many things, it's probably easier and better if two people use it at the same time. So anyway, I go out there with this dull machete and this wooden bow saw. I go out there and I start attacking that tree for at least a good 45 minutes, maybe to an hour and a half. And I get really, really hot and sweaty. And so what I did was, on, my, on one of my old Instagram channels, I actually took photos of what I'd been doing and I put tree zero family one round one goes to the family or something something really weird like that and anyway my dad commented and my mom commented and um my mom actually called me shortly thereafter and she was like well i mean we'll come up there we got some chainsaws up there that we're going to be working with and so they brought a chainsaw but here's the funny thing the funny thing is the chainsaw that they brought up apparently it was like busted or malfunctioned or something and so they were using it and like they're a good maybe 30 minutes of driving away they live uh they live at least two to three good cities away and so after deciding that this chainsaw is a piece of junk and it's completely foobar they decide to drive back home and pick up that other chainsaw and then come right back so that's like that's like an hour's worth of driving right there in which I appreciate them for it. So what it ended up happening was, when they came back with that chainsaw, we got right to work. I had done a fair amount of cutting, you know, but I couldn't get, obviously I couldn't get the real thick branches. So I just, I cut apart what I could, and I moved around what I could. Some of the stuff was really heavy, but um, my parents, they helped me out, my sister helped me out, and so did my wife. I got really, really hot and sweaty. And I will cherish that day because it actually, it kicked off something in me. It did. And it made me want to feel that way even more. Because I was really hot and sweaty. And I had this feeling of accomplishment, you know. I had actually worked hard. I had sweated. And I did something that, I mean, obviously I didn't really want to do because I didn't want to take care of it. Because I thought the city was going to take care of it. But... Again, I just, I had this sense of accomplishment. I had worked with my hands. I had accomplished something. And I had made a little bit of what could have been a big day's work. Simply just by getting my parents involved. And I just, it was, I think it was a maturing experience for me. As much as it was an eye-opening experience. Because I remember feeling, going back inside and I was drinking some power. And I was like, you know what? I'm really hot and sweaty right now. I've broken a sweat. You know, I've worked out. I've done this. I am a man right now. And I wanted that feeling once again. And so what I what I did was, my wife and I, we had this treadmill in our basement. Admittedly, the treadmill itself, it hadn't have gotten a lot it hadn't have gotten a lot of attention 
you know, since we, like, we ordered it, and maybe a year or so went by, and we maybe used it four times, and I remember that treadmill in the basement, and I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get on that treadmill, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to make something out of myself with this, and so I got down there, and I got on that treadmill, and starting the next day, I would just do just something simple, you know, just like maybe a 10-minute walk, like a 10-minute walk that maybe turned into a 10-minute power walk, you know, I kept that routine up for a little bit, and eventually, I started upping the ante, you know, like maybe maybe a good two weeks afterwards, I started going for 15 minutes, and I added just a tiny, tiny bit of jogging, but also, I did that for maybe a good month, maybe two months, and I hadn't seen any changes in me, you know, I, uh, I was getting frustrated, you know, and so I started watching what I eat, and I got crazy with this in retrospect, I really did, because what I did was I started not eating as much, you know, working at fast food, it's a surefire way to gain weight, because you work there, and if you work where I work, and if you had the same promotions that I had, you got to eat for free, depending on how much you got, okay, well, so I stopped eating there, and I started bringing in my own shit, I started bringing in my own food, you know, uh, I started cooking from home, which is, which was actually a good experience, by the way, at the time, I was working 4 to 12 second shift hours, so, like, I would get up really early, I would usually get up at about noon, and then I would do, like, maybe a 30 minute run sesh, and I got to, I got to the point where I would cook my food after I would work out, so that I could take it with me, and it was actually really cool, because I would, like, at the time, my wife was a subscriber to Aki Bento, which is like an anime box that, uh, some anime goods would come in, be it pop heads, be it just, uh, different kinds of collector's items, like, uh, depending on what it was, like, when Naruto, uh, when Naruto was the month's anime for Aki Bento, like, we got some different things, like, we got some shirts, we got some posters, we got, like, maybe some pop heads, some figurines, I know we, uh, we actually got a shuriken-shaped fidget spinner, and that was a little, that was always interesting, I still have it, actually, it's on my anime shelf in my house, but, um, anyway, one, uh, one issue came when, uh, like, one issue of the Aki Bento came, and it had this little, uh, bento box in it, and I thought, great, okay, so I could just keep my little small portions in this little lunchbox thing, and it can be a way to watch my calories, and true to form, it actually was, so I started using it, like, I started making, like, octopus-shaped hot dogs, I started cooking some rice with some eggs, I threw in a little bit of spinach in there, you know, it was, it was really cool, and I got to, I learned how to really respect eating with chopsticks, because that's actually a thing, too, there's actually something called the chopstick diet, and I might talk about that in another podcast later, but anyway, I'm gonna go ahead, I got some trash to dump, I will be right back. Sorry about that. Anyway, so I started using this bento box, and I used it for a couple of weeks. And at the time, like, during those couple of weeks, I was still keeping up with my running, you know. I was testing myself. Because I had always thought that, from what high school taught me, that it was kind of a, it was kind of a milestone to be able to run a mile. And so I just, I kept it up. And I wanted to get to a point to see if I could beat my old high school mile record of... 723 and 
I just, I kept pushing, I kept pushing, and I kept pushing. Now, at the time, I was also training my body for BLET, which is basic law enforcement training. And also, I was, I was just, like I said, you know, I was just keeping it up. And the thing about BLET is, your qualifier, it has to be a mile and a half. It's not just a mile. So I started training with these different distances and with these different speeds, you know. And what it was, was I just kept it going. And I feel like... I felt like I still was not seeing a change, but I did notice that my clothes were bigger. And I was getting a little frustrated with that too. I was like, dude, why do I have these shirts that have so much fabric on them? And then, like, I was talking with my wife about it, and then it dawned on me. I was like, holy crap, I'm actually losing weight. This is actually, this is actually a good thing. I I didn't even, like, the thing about weight loss is, it is so gradual, and it is so slow-paced. It really is. And even with the way that I did it, and it is so gradual and so slow-paced, you don't even notice it. You just notice that there are days when you just feel like you are completely out of the world. You are awesome. You feel so weightless. You feel like you can accomplish damn near anything. And it feels good. It really does. It gives you like a high. And the thing about weight loss is it, like when you go on a weight loss journey, it is really tough. It really is because you are, you're struggling. And when you see those results and you see that all of a sudden your efforts are actually paying off, boy, that's like a drug. I'm telling you. And that's what it was. It became a drug as soon as I realized, holy crap, I'm actually losing weight. Okay, well, okay, so what do I want to do with this? I was like, you know what? I want to keep going. This is kind of where the problem gets started, folks. So, as I said, I started seeing results, and it made me want to go harder. Now, there's little tweaks that you can make in your diet day by day that can actually help your overall health. Although there are some tweaks, like I'm about to tell you about, that will actually hinder your progress, and it'll actually cause damage if you do it for too long. So what I did was, every time I would be approaching my deadline, or my limit, if you will, not my limit, I want to say, but rather a goal, every time I would hop on the treadmill, there would be a goal that I have. Okay, I want to go a mile and a half, I want to go two miles, I want to walk for two minutes, and then run for three minutes, and then I want to keep that pattern up, and we're going to see what happens there. And that actually is the pattern that I would keep. You know, I would walk two minutes and then I would run for three minutes. And I just, I kept that up for maybe 20 to 30 minutes on my running days. And it was, it was really good. I mean, it really was. It felt good to get that done like early in the day before you went to work because you felt more alert. You were not dragging ass, you know, and it was just crazy. So I started looking at my goals and thinking as soon as I was approaching them, I maybe I was already getting dead tired. I was pouring sweat, you know, I'm running on that treadmill. I'm approaching I'm approaching that 2 mile mark. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know what? Why don't I go just a little bit further? Why don't I run for just a little bit longer? And that can actually be good, but it can also be bad because while it is good to go for your goals and actually shoot higher than that, to outdo yourself every time because that's the way you'll get better. You have to do better than you previously were. But at the same time, 
that leads to what I went through in overtraining. And I actually, I was dealing with this crap uh, yesterday because I tried running again, and my run time was like a minute and a half slower, and I was so, so upset. I really was. The thing was, was I hadn't given my legs enough time to rest, and I was running almost six, seven days a week. And I kept this same pattern up for nine months. Now, about four months into what I was doing, I would wake up in the morning, I would use the restroom, and then I would step on the scale, and then I would get my weight. Alright, well, what I would do after that is, I would go run. Now, after, right after I would run, before I would do anything else, I would step back onto the scale after taking off all my sweaty clothes. There was a two to three pound difference, depending on how hard I worked out, depending on how much sweat I poured out of my body, and... A lot of people tell me now that if you're losing two to three pounds every workout or every run, then for one, you're dehydrated and you really need to start applying some nutrients to your system. And which, I mean, I mean they're not wrong. <clears throat> I did notice that when I was losing the weight, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I got really, really skinny. Like it was borderline, I mean this is going to offend some people. It was borderline Jew and Auschwitz level skinny. It really was. But the thing is, is that I noticed that I still had a bit of a poochy belly, you know? I still had that little bit of a primordial pouch, if you will. And the thing is, if your body decides to do it, and you don't feed it right, and you don't give it the right proportions, like what it is, is your body will actually start to burn muscle. And a lot of times, like, I felt like... Eating protein is what caused weight gain to begin with, but I wasn't looking into weight gain. I was looking for weight loss, and so I almost completely avoided proteins. If anything, my favorite foods will always be carbs, because, let's face it, folks, I love my pastas, I love my breads, I especially love my rice. So anyway, I got really skinny. Like, it was, I looked like a cancer victim, I really did, and... There are some photos of me that are from before, and there are some photos of me after. And there is a world of difference. There really, there really is. And it's just, it's crazy now, because I was so motivated to do it. And the scale that we use, it's about 17 to 20 pounds off, we later figured out. So, the lowest that it ever said that I weighed was 198 pounds. Now, if it really is 17 pounds off, then I was either 215 or 220, which is good. I mean, it was it was I mean, it was good, but it wasn't good. I felt like it was good because I made so much progress. But for a 6 foot 2 frame, you're going to need you're going to need some muscle. You know, you really are because that's a large frame to be pulling around all that weight, you know. But I got really, like, I got to the point where I became extremely proud of it because, let's face it, a lot of us want to look good. A lot of us, you know, we want results, you know, and I got the results. And I later found that when I was doing, like, I liked a lot of posts on Instagram and I followed a lot of pages. Like, there's one that I followed called Fat Girl Fed Up. It's, uh, it's her journey, her and her husband's journey to actually lose weight as a married couple. And together, they've lost a total of 430 to almost 500 pounds. It's an amazing story to watch and listen to. She goes live almost every day. 
And she actually just had surgery to remove her excess skin because now she looks like she could be a like an Instagram model. And that's the kind of uh, that's the kind of like look that I was looking for with me. You know, I wanted to be what society deems as attractive. You know, because I got really skinny. I got dangerously skinny. And I thought that that's what they were looking for because this is the kind of stuff that you see plastered everywhere, all like everywhere, like be it in video games, be it in anime, in just television shows, magazines, social media. Social media itself is absolutely flooded with stuff like this because there's like you want all these models because you don't see plus size models very often. I mean, you really don't. Because a lot, the majority of stuff that's on Instagram, it's related to looking good. It's related to all these supermodel looks, you know. But at the same time, modeling itself is an ugly business. You gotta really, you gotta watch what you eat constantly, and that's the thing about dieting. With me, the struggle is that you're always hungry, and you gotta always remain vigilant. But anyway, I noticed that on one of the pages that it was talking about anorexia was. If you eat and then feel guilty and then work out even harder so that you can get rid of the calories, that's a form of anorexia right there. It's not that you're bulimic and you're purging the food, but you're eating it and then you're wanting to work out even harder to get rid of it, you know? And the way that I would do my runs, before I would even eat, I would run because running on a fasted body is actually, you know, it, it's progress. It really is. And... Like, I mean, like I said, like I just said, it's progress because you're burning stuff that you don't have. Therefore, you're setting yourself in that calorie deficit. That's the biggest thing that I took from these weight loss pages was the calorie deficit. Because if you burn more calories than you take in, that right there leads to weight loss. If you burn, let's say, 500 calories or if you cut 500 calories from your meals every day, from your total food that you eat every day, if you cut 500 calories, then five days later you'll have lost a pound. It's it's dieting. And a lot of people, they give certain foods a bad rap. You know, it's people that have a bad relationship with food. And what it is, is, you know, you shouldn't eat this because it's bad. You shouldn't eat this because it's carbs. And you're trying to lose weight, and carbs are the enemy. But carbs are what give you energy. And also the majority of the pages that are related to fitness and healthy eating that I follow now, they say, it does not matter what you eat. What leads to weight gain is eating in a calorie surplus. If you eat more calories than you burn, you are going to gain weight. It is just, it's that simple. And I just, I got to the point where I was doing math in my head and I was tracking calories and I was like, okay, if I run this fast for this amount of time, I'll burn this much and I'll be skinnier. But the thing is that the the day when I decided to completely stop working out, it came when I was at work. And, I mean, I had gotten really good at it. You know, I was just, I was accustomed to running, and I was just doing so much stuff. Sorry about that. That was my, uh, that was my phone. So anyway, what was happening was I got to work, and all of a sudden, I'd been getting a migraine. And migraines is something that I'm going to talk about in a later video. Prob not a video. I keep, why do I keep confusing this with the YouTube channel? Anyway, I'm going to talk about it in another podcast because, I mean, hemiplegic migraines, a lot of people that don't get them, they shun the people that do get them because, oh, you know, you're just lazy and it's just a headache. You need to suck it up and get through it. No, 
for one, I'm going to call bullshit on that, and I'm going to call bullshit and say fuck you to the people who are just shunning these people who are getting these. Because I'm here to tell you today that I suffer these, albeit they're rare nowadays because I'm better at just keeping up with myself and doing what I'm doing. But in another podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about it. So anyway, I got the migraine, and this guy that I was talking to who was really big into fitness at the time, he said that the reason that I'm going through this is because I do not eat enough protein. And, I mean, he couldn't, I mean, that was like the biggest hit of truth that I've ever heard. Because I was like, you know what, since I was a teenager, I've been avoiding these headaches all along. I don't want to get these headaches anymore. I never want them again. And what it is, is I decided, you know what, if the fact that I'm not eating as much as I used to is causing these headaches, then I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to have these headaches again. And it just, it sucked. It really did. And I'll go into detail as to why it sucked in a later episode. But anyway, I decided to stop working out because I had gotten to the point where even even during intimacy with my wife things were awkward because to put it in her words she didn't like the idea of making love to somebody who looked like a complete skeleton and I mean it's just it's kind of the thing that would hit me it, it, it would hit anybody too because there's pressure on a lot of females nowadays about how they look You know, all females should have a flat stomach and an average chest and a nice firm ass. And, well, the thing is, is that everybody's built in different ways. There are many different body types. No two people are the same, even two people that have the same similar type of body. And I just, I just couldn't believe it. You know, it was actually, it was real. And I couldn't believe that me as a guy, you know, as a male... You know, I felt like an accomplished man. I was having, I was making her feel self-conscious because of my anorexia. And she said that, like, she and I have talked about it a couple of times. She's even shown me some photos of where I look sickly. And I did. I was dangerously low. Like, you could see my collarbones and everything. It was, it was bad. It really was. But the thing is, is... She would tell me, like, there was one time in particular, we were laying in bed, and I was just laying on my stomach, even though I can't sleep on my stomach, I was just chilling, and she was looking at my back, and she was like, dude, this is not good, I can see your ribs in your back, and I didn't think that I was that bad, because I'd never seen it, I, like, I mean, even in the photos that we were shown of the Jews in Auschwitz in history class, I'd never seen the back of somebody that was anorexic. The closest that I could come to to describing it, the closest that I could come to to describing it is like a long time ago when I was a kid, my dad had this bloodhound who caught parvo or some kind of illness. Anyway, the dog needed to be put down. The dog would not eat at all. The dog itself, she got dangerously skinny. Where I could see bones. And she looked like a carcass with black fur. I mean, it re- she really did. Rest in peace, doggy. But, <clears throat> to realize that I looked like that, that was just, it was another wake-up call. You know, it really was. And, I decided, you know what, 
I'm going to be starting BLET soon, and I don't need to go through this again. BLET is going to have a rigorous training form, and they're going to have PT. I'm going to be in PT, and it's going to take away all this other stuff that i got to use for working out, because I'm going to be able to work out during PT. Boy, was I wrong. PT was only three times a week for maybe an hour to an hour and a half tops. We would meet at 5.45 in the morning, and we would work out until maybe 7, 7.05. So it was close to about an hour and a half, and we would do a lot of running, because as a cop, you got a lot of running you got to do. you got to be really fast on your feet, and you got to move. you got to have strength. you got to have core strength. you got to have chest strength. you got to be able to fight. you got to be able to do push-ups. you got to be able to chase people. And... That's pretty much, like, that's 80% of our PT stuff that we did. It was related to running. Thank God. And so what had happened was, I went through it. I went through the entire 17-week program, and I took the state exam. The state exam, it's an exam that state-mandated, excuse me, it's an exam that state-mandated, and you have to take the exam, and you have to pass in order to be BLET certified. Okay, well... The exam itself, it's four hours long, it's 300 questions, at least the one I took was. And what we did was, we went in there for four hours, I took the test. It was separated into six different blocks. And it was it was six different units, and you could fail up to two units and be eligible for retest. Which is what happened to me. You know, I failed the subjects in... Uh, Patrol techniques and civil process. Now, unless you're going into the civil process unit at a sheriff's department, the civil process unit really is not all that important. It's some, it's not something that you need to really, you know, just get gritty with and just bite the bullet with it, if you will. But for the sake of the exam, you had to. So I studied my ass off. And the thing is, is... I studied for civil process because I figured patrol techniques, you know, it's just a walk in the park. It's common sense stuff. What do you do as a cop while you're patrolling? You know, that's stuff that we went through. And what had happened was I got that call when I was in McDonald's one night because this is after I would retaken the test. And I was the last one finished. And I remembered thinking there are there is some stuff that I should have marked differently. But you see, that's the thing with test taking is they tell you not to change your answers because the majority of the times when you do that, you actually erase the right answer. In my case, I should have, I guess. So I'm at McDonald's later on one night, and I get a call from my chief. That's he's the, he's a retired chief in one of the cities up here in the county. He's the director of the BLET course, and. He calls me and he's like, Mr. Blankenship, I want to talk to you about your test or your test scores. And it was a message, you know, so I called him back. He was like, I, ca- I called him. He was like, this is, this is Mr. Day. And I was like, hey, Chief, uh, I got your message. He was like, yes, I wanted to go ahead and just talk to you about your test scores. I was like, sure, sure, sir. Lay it on me. And in the pit of my stomach, I had this overwhelming sense of doom, if you will. And he was reading what was written about my test scores. And he was like, you passed Unit 6. But you didn't pass Unit 4. Everything that I had been working up to at that point, it was all for nothing. 
I screwed up the test. Everything else I can pass with flying colors for the most part, but then I'm a shitty test taker. And I, I all I could do was say, okay. He was like, you are going to have to take BLET again if you want to get BLET certified. I, I dropped all sense of honorifics at that point. You know, I didn't care to call him sir. I didn't care to call man, uh, women ma'am. I just, I didn't care. Because I just, I felt so bad. And I was like, okay. He was like, you have a good day now. I was like, okay, you too. And so I hang up the phone. And then I called Ashley. And then uh, my wife, Ashley, I called her. And then I told her that I had just been delivered the worst news ever. And she gets really quiet. And I get really quiet. And I was like, what am I supposed to do now? And she's like, I don't know. And I know that this is my life. But I just, I became irritated because I was looking for an answer. And all I got was, I don't know. And what had happened, what happened subsequently was I went into a depression. I really did. I called my mom I told her that uh, the chief had delivered the, or the chief had told me about my scores and she came by and visited. I hugged her and I hugged my sister and I sobbed something awful. It was, it was really bad. What ended up happening was I thought to myself, I'm not going to turn 28 at this McDonald's. I'm not going to die here. So I thought I will get a job. I don't care what it is. I have to get out of McDonald's. That's what led me to where I work to today. And for months on end, for months, I did not run. I did not lift weights. I didn't give a fiddler's fuck what I ate. I didn't care how much weight I gained. I just, I didn't care. You know, I just, I started eating again. I started gaining weight again. And before long, I'm actually now, I'm in the 260s. So in in total it was maybe when I when I was at my lowest I was at that point to now it's maybe just a 40 pound difference but recently I've getting I've gotten back into running again I've gotten back into you know just watching what I eat you know watching my weight just being really careful with it and I'm going to take BLET again in the future because I feel like it is a duty for me and it is more than that, even. It's 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 a calling. And I could go on into another podcast episode as to why I believe that is. Because there's, there are many things that drew me to it. There are uh, movies, video games, books, even. And I just, I like the idea of being a hero. You know, I like the idea of protecting people. And as I said, in the future, I'm going to do it again. I just don't know when. And... Like the game plan here is that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to just save up money every month because I'm going to need it and maybe get another job somewhere where I'll actually work with my schedule and I'll be able to work nights. And so what it is, is I'm going to be working nights and I will be... 
going to school during the day. It'll be a tough road. It really will. And I just don't want to... I just don't want this anorexia thing to happen again. I mean, the thing is, is that when it comes to weight loss, with me, anorexia, it worked. Because I wanted results quick, and I got results quick. But the thing is, it wasn't safe at all. And it was really detrimental to my health. And so... You know, I just really wanted to lose weight, and I did. And I'm currently in the process of doing the same thing again. I mean, I'm not running anywhere near as much, but I'm watching what I eat. And that's the thing about what I'm doing now, you know. I'm just, I'm taking a safer route with it, and it has guaranteed me results so far. I mean, I can see it. I've lost at least five to maybe seven pounds, although I've only been doing it for a couple of weeks. And I plan on doing it even more, and I plan on getting back into better shape. But anyway, that's everything as far as my journey with anorexia goes, and that's that. So I'm actually going to step out for a bit, and I'm going to come back with a final word. Thank you for listening. folks thank you for tuning in for another episode of the ambience i am your host jay and today we talked about anorexia and my journey with it and just my general like feelings about it i didn't really dive into it but i guess i'll go ahead and just say it here on my final thought about anorexia once again i stated in the beginning of this podcast episode if you or somebody you know or care for or love even a family member or a best friend for that matter maybe it's even your significant other if you feel like they're having issues or if they've developed an eating disorder and if you feel like they should seek help and if they're not willing to you know just take that step and just you know be brave don't be afraid to step out for them stage an intervention if you got to and which it's going to cause a rift in between you and them but at the same time you're doing it for their own good they may think that they're doing good you know they may think that they're reaching their goals but at the same time if overall it's hurting them then it really isn't worth it take it from somebody who got really sick take it from somebody who went that extra mile who would run almost 15 miles a week you know just in the mornings and just be so completely strict with food it's not a way to live and call somebody you can even give the suicide hotline a try google it and you can get the number there even if you're not suicidal they'll actually they'll be willing to talk with you you know i've called them a few times and Because a lot of times we don't need somebody's advice. We just need somebody to talk to. We just need somebody as a shoulder to cry on. We just need somebody to listen. Because you you feel isolated in this life sometimes. You really do. You just want to talk to somebody. And that's what the suicide hotline is. They're there to talk with you. They're there to help you. You don't even have to go that far with it. You can just talk to somebody that you trust. And you can even just, uh, just do, like, just talk to somebody and just see how they feel about it and just ask them for their support and if they do support you in your journey to get out of that vicious cycle that is anorexia god bless them and you should bless them too but anyway that's my final thought if you or a loved one need help or are struggling with an eating disorder please don't hesitate to seek help call a hotline 
Call somebody you trust, family, friend, doctor, it doesn't matter. Call somebody, get help. That is my final message. Thank you for tuning in. What are we going to talk about next time? Who knows? This has been episode one of the second season of The Ambience. Thank you for listening.